Good evening, everyone. I always have to stop and pause and make sure I don't say good morning because that's what I'm so used to saying up here. Good evening. Uh, this message is going to be a little bit different. Usually I pick a passage, we run through it, squeeze everything that we can out of it, and uh, that's usually how it goes. But I've got a number of passages we're going to look at this evening. Many of you have probably heard messages along these lines, uh, five things that prove the resurrection of Christ. And while messages like that are certainly important, it is important to uh, understand the resurrection, uh, believe in the resurrection, be able to demonstrate that the resurrection took place. I want to take things a little step further. And I'm the, the message this evening, uh, I guess if I were to title it, I would title Six Things That the Resurrection of Christ Proves. Six Things That the Resurrection of Christ Proves. Rather than six things that prove the resurrection of Christ, I want to look at the implications of the resurrection. What does it mean for you and me? Why is it so important that 2,000 years ago, in, this, in uh, Jerusalem, halfway across the world, that a man was crucified, died, and rose again from the dead. What are the implications that it has for you and me? And we're going to look at some of those implications. We're going to look at some things that the resurrection of Jesus proves. I'll list them, I'll pray, and then we'll get into it. So, what does the resurrection prove? It proves the truth of the Old Testament scriptures. Two, it proves that all authority in heaven and earth belong to Jesus. Three, it proves that Jesus will return to judge the world. Four, it proves that salvation is only in Jesus. Five, it proves that God's wrath against sin is satisfied and that through faith we are counted as righteousness. And six, it proves that death is not the end. So we're going to look at those six things this evening in the time that we have. Our Father, we do thank you for this time that we have to read, consider your word, and consider the implications of the resurrection of your Son on our lives today. He is seated at your right hand. He is forever alive to make intercession, and it's all because that he went to the cross was buried, and he indeed did rise again from the dead. Help us to see the implications of that. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, six things that the resurrection of Jesus proves. The first thing that the resurrection proves is that the Old Testament scriptures are true. And these things kind of feed into one another. Uh, this morning, I talked about how the resurrection is true because the scriptures are true. And we can flip this around and demonstrate that the Old Testament scriptures are also true because the resurrection is true. Because Jesus rose from the dead, it, it is a fulfillment of those Old Testament scriptures demonstrating that they indeed are God-breathed. No one could have guessed that Jesus was going to fulfill all of these prophecies. No one could have guessed that Jesus would have risen from the dead. This is something that was foretold by God, the God who is outside of time, who brings all things together according to his 
purposes. In Luke chapter 24, we remember the conversation that Jesus had with the men on the road to Emmaus. These men are going along and they're wondering exactly what it means that the one they thought was going to be the Messiah was taken and crucified and what it means that these women are suddenly coming along and amazing them with this story that the tomb was empty. And They even said, we weren't so sure about that, so a couple of the men went and double-checked it, and indeed, the tomb was empty. So we don't know what to make of this. And how did Jesus respond to them? He said to them, O foolish men and slow of heart to believe in all the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary for the Christ to suffer these things and to enter into glory? And then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. What did Jesus do? He said, of course, the Messiah had to rise again from the dead. The Old Testament scriptures prove it. Sometimes uh, Christians, we can often view the Old Testament as a secondary book. We see it as, well, kind of mostly true. The principles in it may be true, but I'm not so sure about some of that other stuff. There's some strange things in there. And usually when people begin to uh, cut parts of the Bible out with scissors, they begin with the Old Testament. But what does the resurrection of Jesus prove? The resurrection of Jesus proves that those Old Testament scriptures are indeed God-breathed, that God prophesied these things in those scriptures. Luke chapter 24, the very same chapter I was looking at in verses 45 through 47, we read that Jesus opened the minds of the disciples to understand the scriptures. And he said, thus it is written that the Christ would suffer and rise again from the dead on the third day. The the resurrection of Jesus proves the truth of these Old Testament scriptures. What else does the resurrection of Jesus prove? Well, The resurrection of Jesus proves that Jesus was who he said he was. Jesus is who he said he is. In Acts chapter 2, verses 32 through 36, we read in Peter's sermon, Acts chapter 2, verses 32 through 36, we read Peter say this, This Jesus God raised up again to which we are all witnesses. Therefore, therefore, what's the therefore? Therefore, God raised him up again. Therefore, having been exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured forth this which you both see and hear. For it was not David who ascended into heaven, but he himself says, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. And how do they know this for certain? How do they know for certain that Jesus is both Lord and Messiah? Because he rose again from the dead. Peter couldn't say this about someone who was still dead in the tomb, rotting away. He couldn't say that the scriptures were fulfilled, that his body would not be left to decay. The resurrection proves that Jesus is who he says he is, and that is, he is Lord, he is Christ, he is God, he is the creator of all things. Even Jesus, when his own authority was being challenged, 
after he had cleared out the temple at the very beginning of his ministry. And we remember, he did this at the beginning of his ministry and he did it at the end of his ministry. What happened after he cleared out the temple during the Passover? Well, the people came and they were asking him, what sign do you show us as your authority for doing all these things? Basically saying, who do you think you are? What gives you the right? What gives you the authority to, ca- to clean out the temple the way that you did? And how did you answer, Jesus answer them? Well, he said, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And the Jews then said, it took us 46 years to build this temple, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body, so that when he was raised from the dead... His disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word which Jesus had spoken. Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. And that will show you that I have the authority to do the things that I am doing now. The Apostle Paul talks about the extent of the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Philippians. In Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul says that he, being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. And for this reason also, God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we know this, how? Because God exalted him by raising him from the dead. Jesus was raised from the dead, proving that what he said at the end of Matthew, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me, proving that this indeed is so. So, the resurrection of Jesus proves, one, that the the truth of the Old Testament scriptures is true, and two, it proves that all authority in heaven and earth belong to Jesus. And what's the implication of that? The implication of that is we are completely subject to him. We have a king. In a few days, we're going to be worrying about uh, the representatives who will rule over us, but we need to recognize there is a king above that. His name is Jesus. He is alive. He is in heaven today, seated at the right hand of God, and all authority in heaven and earth belongs to him, and we are subject to our King Jesus. Related to this, the third thing that the resurrection of Jesus from the dead proves is that Jesus is going to return to judge the world. Jesus is going to return to judge the world. In Acts chapter 17, Verses 30 and 31, the Apostle Paul says this, Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God is now declaring to men that all people everywhere should repent, because he has fixed a day in which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed. So God is going to judge the world. Therefore, men everywhere need to repent. That's what uh, part of the message that Paul was proclaiming. Men everywhere need to repent. God has fixed a day that he is going to judge the world, and he is going to do it through this man he has appointed. And want to know how we know this is true? Having furnished proof to all men by raising him from the dead. 
In the mind of the Apostle Paul and in our minds as well, judgment is coming and we know it. How? Because the one who has the authority to judge has been raised from the dead. He is alive and he is going to return. And we see a picture of what that judgment is going to look like. In Revelation chapter 20, we read about how this one is going to judge. Revelation chapter 20, verses 11 through 15. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat upon it, from whose presence the earth and heaven fled away, and no place was found for them. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and the books were open. So there's no escape from this judgment. Even if you die and pass on from this world before he returns, guess what? You will be present at this judgment. The dead, standing great and small, uh, great and small standing before the throne, and the books were open. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged from the things which were written in the books according to their deeds. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the dead in Hades gave up the dead which were in them, and they were judged, every one of them, according to their deeds. And what's the result of this judgment? Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name is not found written in the book of life, he is thrown into the lake of fire. Jesus is going to return. The king, who has all authority in heaven and earth, demonstrated by the resurrection of the dead, is going to come and judge his creation. And we know that he is going to do so through that resurrection from the dead. And this is bad news for those who find themselves as enemies of that king. If all authority in heaven and earth belonged to Jesus, if Jesus issued how we are to live and we did not live according to that, how will we escape this tremendous wrath that is to come? And this brings us to the fourth thing. What does the resurrection from the dead prove? Well, it proves that salvation is only in Jesus. Salvation is only in Jesus. If Jesus is the judge, and Jesus is the one who has all authority. The only one that you can go to for peace is that one who has the authority to carry out that judgment. In Acts chapter 4, verses 7 through 12, we read what the Apostle Peter says. This is after they had been taken and arrested for uh, having a man healed in the name of Jesus. And they asked him, by what power or in what name have you done this? And then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man has been made well, let it be known to all of you and all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by this name this man stands here before you in good health. He is the stone which was rejected by you, the builders, but which became the chief cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. There is salvation in no one else. Jesus is the judge. Jesus is the one who went to the cross. Jesus is the one who rose again from the dead. Therefore, there is salvation 
only in the name of Jesus. Salvation is only in the name of Jesus. John chapter 3, verse 18 says this, He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. How do we escape the judgment? Believe in the name of the only begotten Son of God. There is no other way. There is no other escape. There is no other man who has the authority to judge the world. There is no one else that we can go to and appeal for mercy and grace. John chapter 14, verse 6 We all know this one. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. None shall come to the Father but through me. So how is it that we can have peace with God by going to Jesus? How is it that our debt of sin is taken away? Well, we can know for certain that our debt has been taken away. How? Because Jesus rose from the dead. In Hebrews chapter 9, Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24 through 28, we read this. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 24 through 28. For Christ did not enter a holy place made with hands, a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Nor was it that he would offer himself often as the high priest enters the holy place year by year with blood that is not his own. Otherwise, he would have needed to suffer often since the foundation of the world. Christ came and he died once. That one offering of his life was satisfactory to God. And we see through that offering that we, uh, that he now appears in the presence of God for us. It is this offering that satisfies God. And we read, continuing on in verse 26, but now, once, at the consummation of the ages, he has been manifested to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And insomuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment, so Christ also, having been offered to bear the sins of many, So Christ dies once for judgment, and yet now he will appear a second time for salvation, without reference to sin, to those who eagerly await him. We can read throughout the book of Hebrews the salvation that we have in the name of Jesus Christ. We can read in Romans chapter 4, verses 23 through 25, what the apostle writes, Romans chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Now not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him. So he's discussing Abraham being counted as righteous. How is it that Abraham is counted as righteous before God? It is only through faith. God revealed himself to Abraham, and Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But this is not only for Abraham. It's not only written for Abraham, but for our sake also, to whom it will be credited as those who believe in him who raised Jesus, our Lord, from the dead. How is it that I have peace with God, believing in the one who raised Jesus from the dead? And how can this be so? Because he was delivered over for our transgressions and he was raised for 
our justification because of our justification. I can know I am made right with God because I know Jesus rose from the dead. And then finally, the last thing. What does the resurrection of Jesus prove? It proves the truth of the Old Testament scriptures. It proves all authority in heaven and earth belong to Jesus and that we are subject to him. It proves that Jesus will return to judge the world. It proves that salvation is only in Jesus. It proves that God's wrath against sin is satisfied and that through faith in him we are counted as righteousness. And the final thing, at least that I have, that it proves is that death is not the end. Death is not the end. And we know this because Jesus rose from the dead. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 We read this starting in verse 12. If Christ is preached that he had been raised from, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection from the dead? So the Apostle Paul is asking them, why are you preaching that Christ rose from the dead if you don't believe there's going to be a resurrection? The Corinthians didn't think there'd be a resurrection. It didn't seem to make sense to them or whatever the reason was, but they didn't think there would be one. And now the Apostle Paul is saying, hold on a second. Why do you say there's no resurrection if at the same time you're saying Christ was raised from the dead? For if there is no resurrection from the dead, not even Christ has been raised. If there's no resurrection, then it doesn't make any sense that Christ would be raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain also. But, uh, we go down to verse 20, but now Christ has been raised from the dead. And that's the argument that he's making. Christ has been raised. Christ has been raised from the dead. And notice what he's called here. The first fruits of those who are asleep. What's the expectation behind a first fruit? The first fruit is the first and the best of a crop. But the first fruit also comes with the promise of more to come. The first fruit also comes with the promise of more to come. And because Christ rose from the dead, we know that death is not the end. In his letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul says this, starting in chapter 4, verse 14. For if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus. For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until his coming of the Lord will not precede those who have fallen asleep. So what's he talking about? He's talking about those who have died before the return. And he is saying, guess what? They aren't going to miss out on anything. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together with them in the clouds and meet the Lord in the air, and so we shall always be with the Lord. And how is it that we can have this expectation? How is it that we can have this hope? How is it that we know we, that death is not the end? And that when we die, that is not the end. Well, if we believe that Christ died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Christ. So, 
Six things that the resurrection proves. Why is the resurrection so important? What does the resurrection tell us? Well, it tells us these six things, and it's so important. It proves the truth of the Old Testament scriptures. It proves that all authority in heaven and earth belong to Jesus. It proves that Jesus will return to judge the world. It proves that salvation is only in Jesus. It proves that God's wrath against sin is satisfied and that through faith in him we are counted as righteous. And it proves that death is not the end. We see the resurrection of Jesus, and in that resurrection, we have a tremendous amount of hope in what God has done. Let us look to the risen Son and trust in him for our salvation. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father, we are thankful that Jesus has indeed risen from the dead. And in that resurrection, there are so many promises that we can trust in, that we can have hope in, that we will benefit from, not because we are the ones who have any power in ourselves, not because we are any more deserving than anyone else, but because of your great love for us. And you show us that great love in sending your son to die on the cross and to raise him from the dead. And we look to him with that great expectation of our own resurrection, being in his presence forever, And we uh, pray that if there is anyone who does not yet have this great hope, that they would have it this very day and hour. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.